29 FBS schools change head coaches after the 2021 season. That's the most turnover for college football in nine years. 14 of those jobs were filled by first-time head coaches, and the coaching carousel is still spinning as assistant coaches continue to switch jobs. Hello, it's Friday, February 25th, and you're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Brandon Marcello. From building a staff, recruiting, coaching, game planning, and developing relationships, head coaches rarely have any downtime. It's even more demanding today for a new head coach trying to build a program. So today, we'll pull back the curtain on what it's like for a program in transition. What's it like for a newly hired coach in his first days at a new school? What is the process they utilize to hire a staff, develop relationships with players, and also recruit and keep boosters happy during arguably the busiest time of the year? Today, we talk to SMU head coach, Rhett Lashley, who opens up on his first days leading a program and how he handles the complicated but never talked about situations head coaches must face behind the scenes of a college football program. Rhett, you you get hired officially there at SMU, I think it was like November 29th, something like that, you get hired. When you are finally clear through that hurdle, what is the first thing you're trying to focus on with the new job? You know, I think... Obviously, it was my first time doing it, but I think um, in the past, other guys I saw do it, you know, they would come in and and you're right, on a Monday, November 29th, I met the team at nine o'clock in the morning. And typically, you would have walked in and introduced yourself, been all excited about the future, told them all these things and said, hey, you know, I'm going to go finish recruiting these next two weeks. You guys finish up finals. I'm going to go finish up recruiting. I'm going to hire some coaches. Can't wait to get back around you, yada, yada, yada. But I just think with the transfer portal and the just the uniqueness of probably this job situation with Sonny going to TCU of all places and, you know, knowing all the players here, just not that anything's wrong with that. That's just a normal uniqueness to this situation. It just was different. And, um, you know, just the whole timeline of like, you know, Friday night, these guys had been in a hotel room getting ready to play Tulsa on Saturday and they find out across the ticker, their coach is going to TCU. I'm in, in Durham in a hotel room on that Friday night, getting ready to play Duke the next day. You know, I get up, play Duke on Saturday, get back into Miami at 10 or 11 at night. These guys play their game, uh, lose a hard one to Tulsa on senior day. Sunday, you know, they have some meeting. They know it's a Sunday. I'm flying to Dallas. It's just a lot of things were happening fast for everybody. And so I just went into that meeting and it wasn't a big, exciting meeting. It was a, I wanted those guys to understood, understand that I knew that this change is hard and they're going through a lot right now. And it's a lot to process for anybody, much less, you know, 17, 18, 22 year old kids over the last 72 hours. And, you know, I didn't take it personal. I didn't think it had anything necessarily to do with me. It just was the state they were in. It was just so much had happened. And I just asked them just point blank to, to give me an opportunity to earn their trust. I didn't expect it. Just give me the opportunity to do it. And, and I knew it would take time. And I told them that they were my priority, not hiring a staff, not recruiting, not going to meet all the our supporters and all the probably 150 other things that you're supposed to do in your first 100 days or first week on the job. I just felt like for some reason that like these are the guys you know are on your team. And right now in college football, for the first time ever, they can go wherever they want to go. And on top of it, their head coach just went across town. And um, fortunately for me, I knew half of them. I'd recruited half of them. Um, the other half I didn't know. But at least maybe they were able to ask the ones that knew me. And I did. So I told them, I said, you guys are my priority. This is your team. It's it's my job to lead your team. And I did. So I walked out of that meeting Monday at 10 o'clock. And from Monday through Friday of that week, the only day I recruited was Thursday. All Monday afternoon, all Tuesday, all Wednesday, all Friday, I met one-on-one with every player on the team. 
Tuesday and Wednesday morning, I had offensive meeting and defensive meeting. And I was just meeting with them as much as I could to try to just help settle things down for them just because it was a lot. So really, that's probably the thing that I didn't expect to be the first week on the job. I would have thought I would have met the team at nine. And by noon, I was in Highland Park High School or something, you know, and and doing that deal. And it's just not it's just not the way it it was in this situation. I don't know if it's the way it's going to be in college football anymore, because you have to I had to get to know my guys that were on the team for them to stay. And if they didn't stay, we weren't going to have a team. So that was the priority for me. You just mentioned it there. I mean, college football's changed so much because of the transfer portal, and especially now that you know players are allowed immediate eligibility uh, once in their careers. And so you got to kind of re-recruit. I mean, in any coach, even the second or third-year coach, I got to re-recruit during that first week of December in, in a lot of instances. Do you think that's had an effect just like on like you see the hiring cycle now? We're seeing coaches, coaching changes a little bit earlier in the calendar. And even with this situation, was it one of those things where near the end of the year, as you said, you're trying to prepare your offense at Miami to go against Duke. But in the back of your mind, you know, I've got I got to go figure this out at a new gig, my first big head coaching gig. Yeah, I do think it's changing how how things are sped up. I think that's why, you know, SMU moved so quick to get me here when they knew Sonny was leaving. I think you're seeing that everywhere else. And it's hard. It's hard on coaches and, um, you know, to finish the season, um, you know, and then if, you know, for Sonny, for example, he, he, he knew what he was doing, but he wanted to do things the right way here. And it's just hard. And I think um, schools are trying to get coaches in place so fast. I think their first thought was that early signing period, yeah. you know, in December. And that, that has a lot to do with it. But really, the transfer piece probably has really added another layer to it that I don't know anybody ever thought really would exist. We will hear more from SMU head coach Rhett Lashley when we come back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Any coach, or I would think any any professional, like even myself, like I have a list in the back of my pocket if I ever start a business or side business of people I trust. Yep. So you know, having a, you have an idea going into the job at SMU, these are the guys I'd like to have on my staff. How how quickly do you start reaching out to to future staff members, and what was it like building your first staff? Pretty quick, maybe even a few if you really really trust them. Even the week before, when you know it's it's yeah. probably going to happen, but you just got to be careful with that. I think you know I had always been told this that you know you always have this idea of who you're going to hire, and then you get a job, and every job's different. Every job has different needs. Every staff, every place, you have to have different pieces, and and you're never going to be able to hire everybody you really think you were going to hire. Uh, and that's true. There's some really good people that I've worked with that I would love to work with. And if you'd asked me two weeks before I got the job, I'd say, yeah, I'd, I'd hire them. And, and I would, but maybe it just didn't work out this time. But um, I did. I, I was able to, um, going back to the timeline, that was Monday. I think by by Wednesday, you know, I had two guys that had been with me for a long time, just Johnny Brewer and Kyle Cooper that I knew were coming. So I got them here quickly. I didn't even tell them. I said, I don't even know what you're coaching yet. Just come on. And um, had an idea, but but knew I had to fill out eight more uh, spots on the staff. So I didn't want to kind of, you know, overpromise anything there. And got Casey Woods hired by Thursday, I believe, to be the OC. And, you know, Casey's someone that I've known for a long time, trust, but he's really, really good. He's really organized. He's good. I knew he would do a really good job of helping me stabilize things, both in recruiting and just here with the staff, because the entire staff here had left. Yeah. And so there really wasn't much here that first week. And so hindsight, it probably is good. I just spent all the time with the players. 
because I don't know if I'd have been trying to do a lot of other stuff. I didn't have a whole lot of help. But and so then it just became a process after that of you know, we got some people here, so you're not doing it alone. And I've just always felt like you want to get it right more than get it fast. So had certain guys that we targeted, let some other situations elsewhere develop. You know, people were in bowl games, people had conference championship games. So you had to let certain things happen that sometimes people don't understand. You got to let guys get out of a contract, get out of this, get out of that. And so, uh, you know, really over the course of that December month uh, into early January, it kind of unfolded. And I think I wanted to get the right people here more than have a whole staff hired to recruit for one week, you know, before December signing period. So it was a lot of fun. It was interesting, you know, just again, trying to hire 10 different coaches, different specific roles, um, that process. But it was fun. And I feel like we got the right 10 guys here. When was the last time you had to build a staff, you know, of any sort, more than like, you know, two people? Have you ever had to Never. do that before? Never. No. I mean, other than, no, offensive staff's about the biggest. And, and even then, you know, I always had a head coach who was very involved. So I had some say in it, but I wasn't building the whole thing. And, and I think the thing that, that gets overlooked is it's not just your 10 coaches. It's not just your strength coach, which is really important. Yeah. You've got analysts, you've got GAs, you've got an entire support staff. I mean, you've got an entire ops department, entire recruiting department, entire, in this day and age, you know, graphics, social media, creative department. And so there's a lot of people and you're trying to get the right people and you need everybody. How, how do you, yeah, I was going to, sorry. How do you delegate that? How do you do, I mean, you're not making every single higher, I would think, just with personnel, right? Or are you, I mean, how involved are you in that? Because that seems like a lot of names to go over. Well, I think you get the right kind of leaders in place and then like, you know, getting Casey and then uh, in place, hey, you okay, he can kind of help with help me filter through some of the offensive stuff. I hired Bobby uh, and Alex Brown in recruiting mm -hmm. and then let them help me fill out the rest of the recruiting so they could take the lead on some of the vetting process and, you know, discovering people and getting a list. And then, hey, we talked to the final two or three people. So I was involved in all of it, but it allowed me as we started to hire some people to try to, as you say, delegate and uh, and let those guys help me out. Because I learned real quick, you're going to have to let people help you out if you want to make it. Yeah, you're exactly right. You can't do everything. So I, I'm always interested to hear head coaches now, like what they're, not necessarily their interview process is like, but what are they asking candidates to see if they fit in their own program and their own mindset and wavelength. So what are what are maybe a couple of questions, things you're looking for when you're talking to a candidate, whether it's an on-field coach or even just a, you know, a grad assistant or someone like that? You know, I try to get just a feel for who they are. You know, most of the time you hire people you already know, or you know someone really, really well that knows them to the level that you just, you trust them that much. I just try to get a feel for the person because I, I believe if you hire the right people, then you can fix the problems. So look, most of the time, it's kind of like me in a head coaching interview or, or you, know, you get to the interview because you're qualified. Right. So I'm talking to these people for these positions because they're qualified. And so I'm trying to more get a feel for who they are. Do they fit my personality? Are we going to work well together? Are they the type of person that I want to have on the staff and in our, in our culture here? That's what I'm trying to find out. And honestly, I found usually after about 30 minutes, whether it's like this or hopefully in person, I get a pretty good feel for people. And hopefully they get a feel for me one way or the other. And, and usually I know pretty quick if I think they're a good fit. But I've always just felt life's about people. You get the right people on board. You're going to have problems. You're going to have disagreements. You got to have the right people that can work together. Because if you don't, then that's when you got a bad culture and then you, you, you just got divisiveness. And then it's hard to really have everybody pulling in the same direction. So you've got all this going on. You're, you're hiring. You're trying to keep players on campus. You got some recruiting, early signing period. And then, of course, uh, holidays coming up. And uh, you, you've got a family, of course, and you've got to yep. move to Dallas. You've got 
don't know if anybody knows us, I'm sure they do, but you've got two sets of twins and family to move across halfway across the country. How did you handle that? Because I understand you actually, I mean, a lot of people just think, well, coach, they got money, so he'll just go playing up in Dallas and let the family figure out a way up there. But that's not the case with you. No, 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 it's not. No, I do. I have two sets of twins, 11-year-old boys, five-year-old girls, an incredible wife. And they, they were here November 29th. And on the 30th, we had a press conference. And then they flew back to Miami and they finished school. And I worked till probably like the 21st or 2nd of December. Didn't see him for those three weeks. They're back in Miami trying to be in a routine, you know, getting ready for Christmas and finishing school. But knowing now that they're moving and my wife's trying to get all that stuff going and no, it's not just easy like people think. It's hard. It's hard being away from your family. It's hard on your family. It, shoot, it's hard on us. It's hard on coaches. I've still got coaches here on you know the middle of February, almost into February, that their 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 families are still not moved. Um, that's just the transition process in coaching is really really tough. Sometimes all the way up even till June. Some people get their families right away. Some spring breaks. Some not till the end of the school year. And it's hard. And I was able to go back. We were able to have Christmas. I didn't even know Christmas was happening until like the day it happened. <laughs> just like, it didn't even feel like <laughs> And, um, you know, and then my wife did a good job. She found a rental house here and just said, we're getting there. So we did. They got up here and, and we got them in school in January and just kind of ripped the Band-Aid. It was hard. But, you know, we're all together and that, that makes it possible. At the end of the day, everybody's together. And it helped us coming back to Dallas, a place we had been just yeah. several years ago. So there's some familiarity there, but I don't think people understand. It's hard to do any job. We all know this, right? If your family situation isn't stable. And so when you're taking the biggest challenge you've ever had and a great challenge and opportunity, but your family separated from you and that's, that's an added layer to things that's, that's not easy. Thanks again to Rhett Lashley for joining us on the College Football Daily and sharing his firsthand experiences as a new head coach. I enjoyed our conversation and learned quite a bit about the commitment it takes to properly run a program. And I hope you did too. I'm Brandon Marcello. You can follow me on Twitter at BMarcello. For our producer, Lance Glenn, thank you for listening to the College Football Daily. We'll talk to you again Monday.